0: What is up? Welcome to Forefront Three Hundred and Sixty, a podcast where we take you all around the intersection of the arts and the Christian faith. I am your host, Cody Schweiker. It's been a minute since I've uh, been on the show here.
1: Welcome back.
0: Yeah, thank you, uh, thank you. I've been up. I've had some business up north to attend to, and uh, I'm gl- I'm glad to be here with you tonight, boys. How you feeling? I'm feeling good. I've had a uh, whopper and pizza and uh, some. Multiple different beverages, hot and cold, cookies. Um, it's been a whirlwind of emotion. I'm here on the couch, wow. comfortable, digesting, and ready to digest some uh, conversation with you guys. Um, I feel like we I feel- start
2: a most Cody episode, start with a discussion of the food that we've most recently eaten. Well, it usually includes a
1: Whopper.
0: Yeah, yeah. I am a Whopper Sometimes guy. Chick-fil-A. I, you know, I pulled up to the BK drive through. I'm just I need a little snack. And I told myself I'm getting the Whopper Junior, just a little tiny little bite, you know, three bite situation. Mm -hmm. And then as I'm ordering, I just magically forgot to say Junior. And I just got a Whopper, which is like three times as large. Mm. And uh, it's a self-control issue. I'm working on it. But, uh, boys, I'm here with you.
2: Name when, Sini. He, yeah. when he pulled up to the BK drive through they, they just the window opened, and they just handed him the whopper, and they're like, okay, Cody. Hey. Yeah, here you go, man. Yeah, hey, Usual. You go. And you were hey, like, oh, Cody. well, here's my card. And they were like, hey, it's on the yeah, house at this point. You. Come was, on, you. Like you're, like paid, co-
1: <laughs> you're keeping the lights on in this joint, Cody. <laughs> it's like the Copacabana. They're, like, bringing you a table. <laughs> <laughs> they know Here you go, me, Mr. Schweiger. They
0: know me. It's uh, not my and it's not, you know, in BK, I feel very cool. Beyond that, it's, uh, it's not something I'm proud of. I mean, why dine with a clown when you could dine with the king? That's right. BK Chesterton. That's what K I've Chesterton. always said. I've always said that, BK Chesterton, <laughs> one of the great theologians of our time. Um, yeah. Anyway, we're here, boys. What episode are we recording? Why are we? Why have we gathered tonight? Well, I wanted to talk about Spider-Man. Let's be honest with our viewer, our mm-hmm. not our viewers, our uh, listeners right now. Let's be honest with them. I wanted to record a Spider-Man pod because No Way Home was amazing. Understandable. And yeah. then Rich was like, Bro, we missed the boat. It's not timely anymore. It's old news. we got to stay current. I'm like, you're right. And then yeah. Richard There will never up-
1: be another Spider-Man movie. Nope. Yeah. We missed nope. it.
0: We missed that moment. <laughs> uh, we missed that moment. Yeah. Um. But then we started thinking, I mean, there's all this new content and these stories that never seem to die. There's always something new. They're mm-hmm. doing something fresh with all these beloved stories that have been around for decades. Honestly. Yeah, I mean
1: fresh is a strong word, but yeah. Fresh,
0: yeah. Fresh. Uh well, some of them are more fresh than others, which is kind of why we're going to what we're going to yeah, chat about tonight, particularly
1: on the tomato meter. That's right.
0: So anyway, we we thought about like let's let's take a let's take a moment to like consider what's happening with these stories because you got you know, Marvel, Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, uh Star Wars, you know, and beyond. All these stories are um continuing to find a uh, you know, corners to uh, explore, for better or for worse. And so, uh, Nate, you had an idea of calling this story. What did you – it was some Lord of the Rings reference I didn't even get. He said, uh, we should call it, what we need is a few good spinoffs. Playing off the Sam Gamgee's line, what we need is a few good taters. Yeah, you,
1: yeah, you got to say it. What we need is a few good spinoffs.
0: Yeah, and that's uh, that was a possibility <laughs> – um, Rich hit us with the discussion, evolving fandoms, uh, what's it like to pilot a property in the 2020s? And it, we were all over the place with this episode, but, uh, we've got, uh, five core questions that we're, are going to dive into. That's going to be the structure of the episode.
1: No one's ever really gone. No one's ever really gone. Uh,
0: that's true. And, uh, yet here we are. Um, we have the first question what are the elements that a story continuation really needs in order to be worthwhile? Mm. Second question will be, what's a story that has been continued that should not have been? That'll be fun. Mm -hmm. A little constructive criticism. Uh, Number three, what's a story that has not been continued that really should be? Number four, what currently announced story continuation are you most excited about? And we'll wrap up with this question. Why do we refuse to let certain stories go? That's when we'll, uh, try to draw some biblical parallels here and justify, uh, having this discussion, uh, on this podcast. Uh, we love you, Jesus. Thank you for letting us, uh, talk about stories. Intersection
1: of faith and art. That's right. Uh,
0: so let's, let's kick us off here, boys. We've got, uh, what are the elements that a story continuation really needs in order to be worthwhile? Nate, I remembered a blog that you wrote for, uh, Forefront, uh, website a few years ago now Mm -hmm. about, um, you know, I don't remember the title, but it was something about like why do sequels work and why do sequels not work? Like what yeah. is it about them? What do you need? And mm. uh what we're talking about is story continuation. It's not exactly as clean as a sequel anymore, because now we're seeing like movies turn into T V shows and you know, yeah. video game content yeah. is canon Spin-offs, now. Spin yeah, offs, remakes, all kinds yeah. of stuff. So uh I like the way you phrase this idea of story continuation. Um the first thing that comes to my mind is you have to have something to do with the character as far as development, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah. So in every iteration, every movie or whatever, the character should learn something. Our protagonist should, like, develop and learn a lesson, right? Um, it doesn't mean that they're fully formed, which is why you can have great trilogies and stuff. But once you get beyond the three-movie mark, it's it starts to become like, okay, why are you continuing to tell this story? Is it a cash yeah. grab, or can you actually take this in more new, interesting places?
1: I think it's important that that we recognize that, you know, dynamic characters are great, characters that change. I think in general, if you can have your character change, that's really good because your audience can, can see your character go from one place to another, and that's kind of clear character development. They don't have to do that. There are some characters that they are a particular way. They're kind of set in their ways and particular attitudes. But as a story, you can't just kind of let them go through life and they just are that way. What you do is you poke at it and you punch at it and you prod it and you throw challenges at them that force them to question like Joker in the, the Dark Knight.
0: Joker in the Dark Night. Sure, yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. So your character doesn't have to be like, oh, they start out nice and then they have to be evil, or they start out evil and then they become nice. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be that that drastic. You can have characters, right? Like Captain America, right? He's like a good dude. He's really uh, honorable, and he doesn't become dishonorable by the end right it's not like you have to have this crazy like Hmm. fall from grace or something but he gets poked and prodded at and and, and all of his assumptions are challenged
0: yeah like you're loyal to your friend which is good but
1: what happened when, when it means you
0: have to pick a friend
1: yeah exactly and like you know the the army that you had behind you this great you know u.s force of shield like what if they're what if they're not always making the right decisions? Like, mm-hmm. what if S.H.I.E.L.D. is kind of becoming kind of a big brother thing? Like, what if the army you're serving in isn't all good, mm-hmm. even though you're trying to be a good soldier? Um, and so I, I just I just think that's really important to keep in mind that, like, there are so many different ways of doing character development, and sometimes it doesn't mean a dramatic change in a character. But there still has to be character development, and, and there still have to be these challenges that that kind of attack the, the things that the character, um, assumes or holds dear or doesn't think are going to change and you, you it under their feet. And I think if you look at all these properties we're talking about that we really like, you look at the ways that they do that to the characters, Mm -hmm. even when they don't. That's a,
0: that's a great point, man. And so character development, I, I always, I say that and I mean like the character must change, but, uh, maybe it's at least the character needs some kind of inner conflict. There's obviously going to be external conflict, but the story's Mm -hmm. not interesting if it's only external conflict. I think the external conflict has to, like you say, poke, and that's the right word for it, to challenge uh, their principles and who they are.
1: Um, Yeah, and it's great when, like, the character literally says what they want and you actually find out through the story that they actually want something different mm. or they actually really need something different. Mm-hmm. And so you, you see that their exterior is not all there is to them. Right. And so what you challenge as a writer in the story is you challenge what they really love. You, you poke at those things. Yeah. And then you see their facade crumbling as mm-hmm. they have to reckon with who they really are. Yeah. Like that's that's what makes the great, the great stories great mm-hmm. is when we see characters we love do that and have to say like, who am I and what do I really care about? Right, I love that.
0: So let's kick off with the Spider-Man. Um, what did you guys think of No Way Home? Did, did it feel justified? Did you like the movie? Um, I'm, I have strong feelings, but I
1: want to hear from you first. So I really enjoyed No Way Home. I thought it was super fun. Um I've enjoyed, you know, all of the the Tom Holland uh, Spider-Man installments including the first one he was in Civil War. I loved that part of Civil War. Like when they introduced you know, Spider Man right. to the MCU for the first time. That was the best part of the movie to me. So good. Mm-hmm. Um, Spider Man Homecoming was an amazing movie. I think it's still one of the best Marvel movies. A lot of people agree with that. Like if you just look at them as an individual movie, yeah. Homecoming is just so good. With the twist and all uh, of that. Yeah. yeah, all of it. And it's like the whole world's not at stake. It's a smaller story. Yep. Uh, but you still have the integration with Tony Stark and it. it's just so good. So that was great. I enjoyed, um, the, the follow-up to that, Far From Home, I thought that was super funny and, and good as well. Uh, I will say, you know, with this, they, they keep kind of getting bigger, like... They they get bigger as they go, right? I mean Homecoming's kind of a contained story, literally about kind of a, a homecoming dance, and then Far From Home, it's like we're taking it international and then with No Way Home, uh, you know, spoiler alert, but we get into some multiverse stuff. Mm-hmm. Inter Universal. Um, yes, where where in Far From Home the multiverse was kind of a joke that like, oh it's not actually that. Mm-hmm. In uh, in No Way Home things get a little more real. And um so I, I think that in that regard it's it it starts to get somewhat ridiculous where you're just like okay like there's just it's just so big and so crazy and and these universes coming together that i think there there can be a loss of like core character drama there when you start throwing too much smash bang into the picture um and I think like the the finale had a lot of those typical issues of just like we're gonna take a random place, some construction site, and just like have a big war and whatever. But they they still you know had some amazing aspects to to the story, and and there's some clever stuff with bringing in uh, you know characters from other franchises, and m- perhaps most importantly, like you were talking about with with character they're really trying to get at like, who the heart of, of Peter Parker is, what yeah. what makes him different, and what makes him tick. And to see his kind of childlike uh, faith and courage and selflessness uh, where he seems kind of naive, yeah. but in a way he's the strongest person in the room because of that kind of naive uh, faith that he has in kind of that anybody can can be good. That, I think that's a really special thing, and they, they got to the heart of that. Mm. Rich. Yeah, so I really enjoyed uh, No Way Home.
2: I'm going to come from a different perspective than, than you did, Nate. I think that I enjoyed No Way Home as a theme park ride. Like I like I think that I'm not I'm not saying it wasn't a good movie from a writing perspective or anything of that As nature. As Martin
1: Scorsese would agree. Yeah. <laughs> so
2: yeah. No. No. Me. I'm uh, totally Marty. <laughs>
1: Marty. We know you're listening. Yeah.
0: Pay attention the next few minutes here. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He, no. But Rich didn't say film. He said theme park ride. Don't right. worry about
2: it. <laughs> right. No. But I I just think that the um, like I walked out of it absolutely loving it, looking forward to seeing it again. I recommended it to friends, not because I was like this was a fantastic story or, or whatever and frankly there were certain things about the story that like I would have changed you know things like that mm-hmm. but I think it is I consider it one of my favorite movie going experiences maybe ever yeah. because I think what Marvel is and and I think you know f- film history or whatever you want to call it will look back at this era of Marvel Movie making as a really groundbreaking time, ironically, mm-hmm. because we're talking about the fact that none of these stories are new. All these characters are decades old and all this stuff. However, huge barriers are being broken in, like, where the rules yeah, traditionally have rules. been in storytelling. Yeah, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. the, not only did Marvel effectively, against everyone's predictions, break the kind yeah. of barrier of how many heroes you can have in one movie yep. with yep. Avengers, Avengers and then again with the next Avengers and yeah. then
1: again with the next one, right? Or how many obscure superheroes can yes. you turn into fan favorites? Yeah, exactly. Or like like
2: <laughs> I literally recall, um, I really disliked Spider-Man three, the Sam Raimi version. Well, yeah. mm-hmm. I and I remember thinking like I was in like ninth grade and I remember thinking to myself, you know, Oh, Oh, they, he just put too many characters in one movie. Yeah. So I remember when I was, gro- you know, let, then as these Avengers movies were coming out, I literally remember thinking to myself, with disappointment, these movies are going to be bad yep. because mm-hmm. I know that when you put too many characters yeah. in, it yep. doesn't work. Yep. Yeah. So one, Marvel has completely shattered my expectations that you can't do that. Yeah. Now, with No Way Home, they have completely broken the long-existing reality <laughs> that you can never put characters from different franchises, different times. These films are, you know, decades apart. You know, you can't, like, no one would have thought that that would work. You could you even know?
1: take characters that didn't work in Spider-Man
2: 3 <laughs> and literally make them work exactly, later. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And and the Spider-Man, like, you know, and I don't want to... this episode isn't about spider-man but we could i i could talk at length about the fact that to me and i know toby Maguire got a tremendous amount of you know um praise for being in the movie and all that stuff and that's awesome but i the most interesting like arc to me is the fact that the andrew garfield spider-man was not only like largely forgotten but was also Kind of like poo-pooed upon as like the failure of the Marvel, yeah. world, yeah. Yeah. and the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man was to me was the heart. And I wasn't an Andrew Garfield Spider-Man fan before this movie. Like I wasn't like waiting for him. No, I like him more now. He, I think he was the heart of the movie, and then of No Way Home. And then I went back and watched the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man, Amazing One and Two, mm-hmm. and I felt because I felt like I knew and trusted this character. Now the movies like lived for me in a way they didn't before. Mm, mm. And um, so I, am just really impressed with yeah. Marvel's ability to like, again, I think that like in the future we will study what the MCU is doing in this time period in how yeah. they are able to weave a story across all the rules of the rules, narrative yeah. writing and yeah. it is somehow working. Uh, and and yeah. I've I've had conversations with Cody off air in the past about how, like, after the end of the Infinity Saga, I literally thought to myself, I am done. Like I said out loud yeah. to people, I am done with Marvel. I don't want to see any more superhero movies. Yep, mm-hmm. And the TV shows have just blown me away. Yep. And I am just, like, I am anticipating Multiverse of Madness with the same anticipation that new, i had the for new upcoming
0: dr strange movie. yeah yep okay hold hold the thought about the shows because that's that's where i want to go in a second um quickly i need to say that no way home for me i think i wrote this somewhere or shared it i, I don't know where but i i walked out of the theater and i just sat in my car for like 20 minutes and i was like that was nothing short of a spiritual experience for me mm. and it's not because it was the cleanest most well told uh marvel story uh i think a. a Movies like Ragnarok and Black Panther and even, like, Infinity War and, like, these really highly regarded um, Marvel movies are, are probably, like, more technically excellent narratives. Uh, but, uh, and, and now I'm making all three of us have said something to that effect and we're making it sound like it was a bad story and it absolutely wasn't like it's Marvel quality stuff it's it it might be my favorite Marvel movie I really don't know but it is my favorite because of what you just said Rich this idea that you can bring in Toby McGuire. Like, there's just, this just existed like as debates. Toby! Yeah, Toby! <laughs> this just existed as like debates on the internet. Like, who's your favorite Spider Man? And I was always like, I'm the old guy who grew up on Toby. I went to see Spider Man in 2002 <laughs> in the theater. I was eight years old. And I was like, I, I went home literally that night and tried to climb up like my bedroom wall. I was so amped and I wanted so badly to be Spider Man you know, this is my gift, this is my curse, who am I? I'm Spider-Man. Like, that gave me chills on my little eight-year-old arms, and uh, it was just, like, I just so enthralled. I could not love that movie more, Um, and, you know, saw the following movies, and then Andrew Garfield comes in, and that was, like, you know, this idea of, like, rebooting a franchise in the same decade, was kind of new, like you. You were not I remember ready. For everyone that. was like, sh- like I remember yeah. everyone that I knew soon. was like shocked. It, was so it happened like when quickly. they were like a
2: new yeah. Spider-Man movie. I remember being like, "What? Right. what? Like yeah, this is so strange."
0: And you know, now we've had like seven different Batman's in twelve months, and so it feels like okay. But back then, I was yeah. really resistant to Andrew. I was like, "You're too cool and like handsome to be Peter Parker." I'm, I'm, he, I'm a Toby like guy. He's like the millennial hipster <laughs> exactly. Spider-Man. Exactly. And so I was really resi- resistant to Garfield. And then some time went by. And I thought Tom Holland he just won me over right away because he was such a perfect Peter Parker. I thought he was young and like, like just I, yeah. I just yeah, and he's in the MCU and they were handling the stories super well uh, yeah. at that point. And so uh, then you get this movie, and I see Tobey Maguire on the screen <laughs> and all these guys. My favorite part of the movie is when they're I'm back. Are
2: they at the Statue of Liberty? Is that where the fight goes down? I mean, it's very close some to the kind set, really. of yeah,
0: yeah, they're they're in some kind of a stru- fighting around this big structure, right? Yeah. And they, they pull in all the old oh, villains. Yeah, yeah
2: because the scaffold is where they're putting the Captain you know, America shield Captain on, America. Right. <laughs> right, right.
0: So uh, you get all this nostalgia, of course, but it was deeper than nostalgia for me. For For me, it was like you got these guys talking to each other, and they're like, it's like talking to yourself. Like Tobey Maguire even has a line about self-talk. He's like, you got to check that self-talk sometimes, you know? Talking to Andrew Garfield, because Andrew Garfield, you know, he's not obviously dealt with the trauma of letting uh, Gwen Stacy die, whatever, so um, I don't want to go too much longer on Spider-Man, other than the fact that, like, that story worked for me, because uh, Tom Holland, there were higher stakes, like, spoiler alert, if you haven't already known, uh, like, Aunt May dies, and that's intense, and Mm -hmm. that awakened something we hadn't really seen in Tom Holland yet, Uh, this, like, I'm not a innocent teen anymore i've like saved the universe i've seen people die i've died right i've like like the person i love most is dead now and the world has kind of struck me and i'm feeling
2: hatred well it is ironic too that he never or not ironic but interesting that tom holland never went through the formative spider-man experience that spider-men go through
1: until this movie right Uh, You, you thought maybe it just happened in the past yeah, you know, since yeah. Uncle Ben wasn't there, but yeah. yeah,
2: you just
0: love to see like when Toby jumps in front of like Willem Dafoe, like the Green Goblin, and catches the uh, whatever weapon was it, the glider that, yeah, uh, yeah, Toby. Yeah. So the sy- symbolism of that, like Toby McGuire, like dodged that glider, you know, twenty years previously, mm-hmm. and you know, did not kill uh, the Green Goblin, and so like that to me, just I felt like. It was a spiritual experience because I felt this connection to, like, this old story. Like, these old stories that were so formative for me were validated. And yeah. I think deep down there's something in us that, like, wants those old stories to matter um, and not be forgotten. I don't know what yeah, that is. Yeah, and they're not but, just,
2: like, pushed off the table to make way for the new one. Right.
0: Right, so that's it for me. The character development, like Peter Barga has to take a new step in sacrificing because by the end of the movie, like, he lets go of his friends so that they can have a normal life, and um, the the sacrifice is deeper there, and uh, he learns more, he's tasted hatred, and he's overcome it, and he's still a hero, and the scale of the story is also something that a sequel needs, a continuation needs, so you do get the multiverse – uh, which we needed. If there was going to be more Marvel stories, you have to have something bigger. And don't don't ask me what they're going to do after this whole phase. You know, like ten years from now. Don't ask me what they're going to do. But uh, yeah, I have a lot more thoughts about that. But what what do you guys yeah. think as far as like uh, what a story needs
2: to succeed? Well, super quickly at the intersection of faith and art, I can't let this pass without mentioning the uh, the seeing all three of the Spider Man together. Uh, did remind me as like an echo of like a, a transfiguration like thing.
0: Oh, I thought we, you were gonna say Trinity situation. No, no, no
2: but no. like the idea that like like the heroes that you know the Jews at the time of Christ, right? Are uh, the heroes of the the pa- the prophets and the patriarchs of the Old Testament? And when they saw Jesus transfigured on the mountain, and please don't misread me, I'm not saying that S- Spider Men are even close to this type of thing, but it's a <laughs> it's a, a very shallow echo of the idea of like seeing your like heroes in the flesh mm. on yeah. the left and together. right of Christ all yeah. together As in a way through those portals too. Yeah. In a way <laughs> that you thought completely impossible, you
1: yeah. know? Yeah. And that's, that's the amazing thing is that uh mostly Disney, right. You know, Marvel and in some ways, star Wars, all, all Disney properties are kind of, Making the impossible possible, yeah. In 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 recent films and TV shows, just things that you would have never thought, like fan fiction dreams, like fantasies. Yeah. Yeah, and some of them are like fan fiction in kind of a bad way. You're like, this is cheesy, and some of them are just like. I'm so glad that this could happen. Yeah. You know, yeah. and like like Avengers Endgame is that way, right? You're like, mm-hmm. I cannot believe this could they happen. They pulled this off. Yeah. Yeah. And and in many ways, Spider Man No Way Home. Um, you know, Rogue One, just getting to see Darth Vader oh in my action, gosh. yeah, you know, in his prime. You're just like I like you didn't know you would ever get to see right. that. Right. And the Mandalorian, right? Getting to see Luke Skywalker in his, in his prime his, yeah, fighting again. And it's like, yeah, we, we always imagined it. Right. But now it's it's here.
0: It's crazy, man. Yeah. It's really crazy. Um, let's, let's talk quickly about, like, one thing a story, another thing a story can do to succeed is I feel like change the way the story is told. So change the whole structure of the story. So you have uh, Wanda Maximoff in a bunch of Marvel movies, right? And then the first Disney Plus Marvel TV show that they launch is WandaVision. And we have no idea what this is. Uh, I was late to the train on this. I missed the the moment. Right, the whole culture was watching this. I finally did watch it, and it was just floored by it. I loved it. Yeah. But we had Endgame, and there was this cathartic like moment. And Rich, like you, I was like, yeah, I'm done with Marvel. Like they've they did it. They pulled it off. Like there's. You can't up the ante anymore. Like, there's no more story to tell in my mind. And Cody's like, "You will try," and they did, and I was wrong because they took this story and they're like, "We're gonna make a TV show and we're gonna do this really weird thing and we're gonna take our time, like telling this in like different decades of sitcoms." And it was so creative and like clever and uh, meta that I was just like, "Dang, this is so smart!" And uh, it's a, it feels fresh somehow still, and I'm still like. The the hooks are still in me. This story still has its hooks in me. So, yeah. uh, what what are your thoughts on that, boys?
1: Yeah, doing different genres with right. things is is a really great way to keep them fresh, and it, it allows you to kind of reference old material, um, and and kind of you know keep keep things feeling new. So that, that's something that a lot of a lot of properties do. Um, you know, in many ways, the the Mandalorian, for instance, leaned into Western tropes. Book of Boba Fett, uh, tried to do that, didn't end up being very good, but it's just that idea of like, um, you know, taking different genres and applying them to characters and locations that, you know, and I think there's something really fun about that.
0: Yeah. One unintended consequence of this though, this idea of like stories being kept alive is that, uh, what, what, uh. Who is it? That, does Palpatine say no one's ever really gone? No. Isn't that Luke? Luke, Luke, Luke sorry. Yeah. yeah. No one's ever really gone. And so you get Loki. and yeah, Luke's in the Loki finally gets choked out by Thanos, and Thanos literally <laughs> says no resurrections this time. And th- that's the storytellers uh-huh. telling us, like, hey, Loki really just died. Like, he yeah. really died. Um, it's not like a fake-out death. Yeah. And then, like, in that well, moment I mean, hit you, right? He, he did die. <laughs> he did. Okay, but this is t- such a technicality because does it feel like he's gone now? When you rewatch watch uh, Infinity War, um, it's like, oh, yeah, Loki's Loki died in this moment. But in the moment, you you know there's only two movies left in this whole, like, th- MCU thing. And uh, you really were like, dang, Loki's dead, dead.
2: That's gone. He's gone now. Um, I will say, as, a, as an argument against that, like a pushback. I've been, you know, as an English teacher, I've been doing a lot of, you know, reading about, like, the evolution of... You know, there's a lot of talk right now about how, like, the novel is, like, dying as a, mm-hmm. as a, a format. And now there's a lot of talking talk, excuse me, about how the traditional movie, yeah. like the film, yeah. is a dying um, format, right. like, in the face of streaming. And I think that while there's tons of pros and cons to, to that evolution, you know, that naturally happens, I do think that we... Now, due to the fact that content does come a mile a minute, um, there is much less of a permanence. So, like, I don't... And, again, good and bad. But, like, I'm not... If, if Endgame had come out in the year 2000, I would have bought the VHS tape or the DVD and watched it a hundred times mm-hmm. as I was going, right? right? I love Endgame. I've probably only seen it three times. Mm-hmm. Because when I sit down to... there's. New Marvel content to watch. So, like, I think the negativity of re watching Endgame and knowing that Loki's not really gone, like, I don't think our, the intention is that people will be re watching it because they're watching the next thing. Mm. So, like, I, I just think, like, when you're in the, when you're watching something
0: even for the first time and someone dies, it, it's just not going to affect you as much anymore. Like, you do rewatch episode six, though, don't you? Like you'll you'll well, watch now, of the Jedi. Now we know and that when in, Palpatine dies, it like that scene means yeah. almost nothing now. Well,
2: now <laughs> we know that in the MCU, literally no character will ever yeah, be gone because, because of any of man. them can be brought back to the multiverse. so it's so that is true.
0: It's a sad mm-hmm. consequence. I'm am I gonna take the payout like the trade off? Yeah, I will. But it is something I think to mention. Um, mm-hmm. Let's let's keep rolling here, and we can we can add things in if we're reminded of stuff, but. Uh, The next question is, what's a story that has been continued that should not have been? I'm going to kick us off with uh, a little, it it was, um, there's movies from a couple of years ago, Um, it's called uh, Star Wars, uh, the sequel trilogy. Oh, it's a space opera. It's a space opera, yeah. I'm not sure if you've heard of it. It's
2: interesting, because that's never been brought up on this podcast.
0: No, it hasn't. But I want to, I feel like it deserves at least a moment here. Wars. Star Wars. Okay. Yeah. All right. uh, we, I will say The Force Awakens was the most anticipated movie of my life. When they announced, like, so we had Revenge of the Sith in, like, 2006 or whatever that was.
1: Cody thought this would begin to make things right. And it, it,
0: it <laughs> like, let's not do a deep dive on this, except for the fact that, like, the reason that, like, the biggest we problem. did that. Yeah. The biggest problem with those trilogies, that that trilogy, is uh, that... Something like scale, for example. Marvel is like, okay, we've got the multiverse now. So not only is the universe at stake, like Thanos, yeah, he killed half the people in the universe, but what if there are multiple universes? Now there's more danger. And I'm like, okay, this is like you guys are really, you know, milking the cow here, but okay, I'm in. This makes sense. But for something like the sequel trilogy, <laughs> Force Awakens, it's like, you've heard of the Death Star, but have you heard of Star Killer Base? And it felt so lazy to me. Like, what's the threat to people now? In the in the galaxy now, It's just a bigger Death Star.
2: Uh, and I was just like, well, also the laziness of like the fact that the there is no like I was not scared of the First Order now after the Empire. Like, I was like, okay, so this is a bunch of like They're effectively a bunch of effectively like neo Nazis that are like, yeah, we're gonna do what our dads did.
0: Yeah, but then they they actually made the stormtroopers like shoot people and not miss every shot. So that they tried to remedy that. But, and again, I'll rewatch those movies. I'm glad they exist. Like, I'm glad we got another, another trilogy, but like, they're just,
2: I want to go to the universe where they don't exist.
0: <laughs> There's one out there. There's one out there for everyone. Um, so I don't know. That's, I, I don't want to belabor that we've spent a lot of, we've logged a lot of minutes, uh, talking about that trilogy, but, uh,
1: check out fourth, Forefront front and your favorite podcast app. And, uh, you'll see a couple episodes about those movies. Yeah.
0: Boys, what else? What other stories do we have here that probably didn't need to like can we hit solo real quick? Nate, I remember I'll never forget your critique of the solo movie. You said uh Han Solo has like the coolest, like most subtle laid back introduction of any character. He's the most be- like one of the most beloved Star Wars character, one of the most mm-hmm. beloved characters in movies. And uh he's got a cool like intro. And we don't need a backstory on him. And that right. stuck mm-hmm. with me. Um, I think ultimately i I disagree and I actually have
1: grown to like that movie. but uh, do you remember saying that? Yeah, I think it's a fun movie i i do I do kind of get frustrated when like in popular movies, they start mining it for every possible detail and throwaway line and try to like create spinoffs that that recreate those things. And it's like, man, part of the great thing about some of these, classic like fantasy and sci-fi movies is they give you the sense that there's been this deep history without having to show it to you Mm. and that's what's so special about it is you watch a single movie even if you've never seen anything else you watch a new hope and it it just builds this universe for you right and people's minds went wild about all the stuff that happened and could happen but now that they're like we have to fill in every single gap and tell you like what all these throwaway lines meant about some every character is past yeah yeah and it's like it just to me it hurts the magic of of some of those details that you have to show us everything Mm. um thinking about
2: the things like solo um brings me to one that i always think about which is the fact how that, did like, he
1: get his last name yeah yeah <laughs> no but the fact that uh, i want to so
2: know true.
0: that's so true i didn't need that <laughs> can you show me
2: um the um I want. Yeah, yeah that's where i'm going <laughs> phil collins my boy anyway so okay. the um anyway the uh so i think that the problem like you just said the problem with solo right but not the problem with star wars as a franchise right is mm-hmm. there are the star wars world for you know whatever should be continued there are many stories to be told and i'm excited that the star wars universe is still alive and well plodding on i like that did i like the fact that solo was was is a chapter in that not as much for the reasons that we said right does han solo need a backstory with a different actor and like all this different stuff you know that there were a lot of issues with that idea so i think that a, a prime example of that mistake being made is the Fantastic Beasts movies that are the Harry Potter series mm. spinoffs? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. and you know, without you know talking too much about it, I think the Fantastic Beasts movies are not fantastic. <laughs> and um, and the uh, like really, like first I first one's okay. I am a big Harry Potter fan. The first yeah. one, the first one to me, <laughs> is a complete throwaway. Like it's enter- <laughs> it's entertaining the first time you watch it. I literally would be, I think, <laughs> bored if I tried to watch it a second time. Mm-hmm. Like, you yeah. know, I just was not interested in it. And the only thing that I liked about the first movie at all was seeing the Wizarding World in another time that's period. That's exactly what I was right. going to say. In another the, place in the U.S. Yes, right? that's like, literally the only thing that I enjoyed about it. I don't yeah. think Newt Scamander yeah. was a compelling character. No. I don't think, no. you know, yeah. uh, and I won't even talk about it. I, I think the second yeah. one was even worse on <laughs> multiple planes like I just think it was a, a very poorly written and executed movie yeah. um that being said and now there's another one that people are now saying is almost like a reset to the series and like you know all, all sorts of stuff um you know about and now they're focusing on We've Dumbledore Galen
0: Erso playing uh,
2: Grindelwald now is yeah, that right I I don't even know <laughs> but um the But, you know... It's a peaceful life. Yeah, but (laughs) anyway, the so like I I don't know about that, but I am much more cautious than excited about that that third movie. And, of course, I will see it, but, you know, I'm cautious. So the point is not that Fantastic Beasts are bad movies. The point is Harry Potter has...
0: You mean they should keep making movies about Harry Potter in... The story called Harry
2: Potter. Not even, not even. Because I think if they made Harry Potter sequels, they would probably be as cringy as the Star Wars <laughs> sequels. Like we don't need to Daniel see, Radcliffe as an Yeah, Like, but we don't. That? We don't need to. I don't know if we need to see the the Harry Potter trio as forty year olds. Like, I don't know if we need to see that. Maybe we do. I mean, if it was written, if it was written well, sure. But what I'm saying is Harry Potter, the Patronus Awakens. provide. Yeah, provides for us ton of material that we could see great stories that people want. The founding of Hogwarts? Would you be into that? I'd be very interested in the founding of Hogwarts. Like an old Republic type thing? I'd be very, very Mm -hmm. interested, personally, I would chomp at the bit to be able to see, read or see stories about the parents' generation to use an analogy like how the Star Wars prequels are to the Star Wars original trilogy. yeah. yeah, I would absolutely love to see young uh serious black and snape and and, james potter and the original like the trilogy you could even call it the rise of voldemort like that's what they refer to it and the story
0: ends with like harry's born and like just, Just like Star Wars
2: Episode Three, exactly. you know, like it really yeah. could be like this. Like I'm J- so into that. James bro. and Lily's death could be like this—the climax that of we get the series when and Snape, we know it's
0: coming. But it's this similar to like Anna can become Darth Vader. Well, like mm-hmm.
2: talking about how we repeat, you know, story tropes, right? Like Snape betrays, um, you know, the the I forget what their kind you of like friend her group is called, but me. the you know, and like squad. this. Yeah, and uh, there's a story, like, begging to be told there. and and I think Yeah, and and so what I'm saying is I think that it is just... So to answer the question, I think that should Harry Potter stories continue to be told, or let's, um, sorry, Wizarding World stories continue to be told? Yes. Do it right. Yeah, but do we want to see stories about a random side character that's like a name drop that we get at some point in the series? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I just think that was a very strange choice on wbs you know yeah yeah
1: yeah and then and then they try to have these like little tie-ins with things that you care about but it's in the context of all these characters that you don't care about well it has so it's really this weird whiplash of like well they realize
2: so uh-huh. hard in i would think the second movie yeah. i it's so obvious what that they like caught the error because now when you watch like the extended trailer for this new one, they're like, yeah. they're like, Oh, we're retconning as much as possible and connecting as much as we can to the story, you know, from the first one, yeah, you know, which was barely done in the first yeah. if it has to be movie. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. Nate, which one- is also what, uh, J.J. Abrams did with Star Wars episode nine. Yeah. They were like, what's well, retcon everything and Ugh. connect it as much as we can to what you, what oh we think you gosh. want.
0: You know what I mean? <laughs> You're stressing me out with that movie. That's weird. We're not touching that. We've already dealt with that, friends. If you're curious about thoughts on that, go back to time there. Uh, Nate, really quickly, you critique Solo by saying that we don't need all the little gaps filled in, um, and I mm-hmm. felt like I was agreeing with you when you were talking. But then I thought about like the thing I love about Rogue One so much. Well, there's a lot. It's I think one of the best Star Wars movies. It's like might yeah. be a top three Star Wars movie as far as movies go. Uh, but they they like they jut that movie up perfectly against. Uh, episode yeah. Four: A New Hope, like to the moment, yeah. and you get the awesome Darth Vader moment, and you get like Princess Leia. Say you want to say what you want about the CGI face; it's um, a good movie. But I am like, dang, what a cool like what, yeah. what What is it, Princess Leia? She's like, hope, <laughs> hope. And the movie ends. I am like, <laughs> yes, that's such a good way to And yeah. that like that talk about filling in a gap. Like it's showing us like to the second uh, what we just missed, right. and so why did that work and like this
1: yeah no i i do have an answer for that i think it's because if you just assume that all of this is real history right all this stuff really happened we can all agree on that um you know and, and and if you if you take that view of it what stories in history are most worth telling well there are some things that they might find their way into a into a bio on Wikipedia, right? Mm -hmm. But then there are other things where you're like, these are the stories that we pass from generation to generation. And getting the plans to the Death Star Mm -hmm. so that that horrible evil can be destroyed, that's a massive moment in history, right? Right For for these generations, that they're going to pass that story on to their kids. And so I think if that really happened... That's something you'd want a movie about. Mm-hmm. Like how did that happen? Right. Like that's an incredible achievement that that they did. And we don't even know who they are. And Rogue One says, Well yeah, we're gonna we're gonna tell you like who those heroes are that you didn't that you didn't know and we're gonna show you what they did and why why it was so important. Whereas with Solo, it's like Okay, but with Solo with Solo, it's like
0: they, they but they you know what they do there that is smart with the character? They show you why he's such a hard and calloused guy, especially at the beginning of episode four. He's like, I'm in it for the money. I don't care about anybody. And that's that's his stance. And, you know, he softens over time. And by, you know, the third movie in that original trilogy, he's a totally different guy. But it took, like, love and friendship to break him of his old trauma, his brokenness. Like, uh, you know, his, I'm totally blanking on his, his uh, you know, childhood friend slash love's name. Mm-hmm. But she just abandons him. Kira? Uh, abandons him and he's like oh I gotta be careful who I love I gotta guard myself and he's totally guarded and it makes sense why he is the way he is in episode 4 so I bought that as like a
1: valid hey this is this is why he is yeah, this but, way. but to me, if you're watching episode four, you don't, you don't see like, Oh, I, I wish I knew. Yeah, yeah. I wish I knew how he become, he, he became this scoundrel smuggler. Yeah, fair. Like God, I can't imagine how anybody would become yeah, that way. Well, it's like the idea- there are so many people who are like that. And that's what's so great about him is he's like. He's like a normal guy yeah. like in the Star Wars like he's like mm. a he's like a space pirate yeah. right and I, you're I like also hate yeah cool. I also hate the idea <laughs>
2: you know? in these like fantasy good versus evil stories I hate the idea that like oh like if Han Solo is a smuggler who's like sometimes dishonest or whatever. He must have been good at one point <laughs> yeah. and been that's turned a foul. Like that's just so stupid. <laughs> yeah, like maybe
0: he just grew up kind of a selfish bratty kid and just <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Um, maybe Art, it was far less interesting. We we gotta keep moving here. Uh next. Move along. Uh move along. What's a story that has not been continued that really should be? And I think we can be quick with this one.
1: This is a tough one. Yeah. Uh, so many Rich, of them have. you
0: you hit the Harry Potter stuff, and I feel like you just answered that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so you crushed Harry that. Potter should be continued, but not the Fantastic <laughs> Beasts. We'll yeah. scratch that. I'm actually upset now because now I'm dying for them to do the. Uh, what's their gang called? They have a gang. Um, listeners probably yeah, hate, yeah, hate yeah, us I can't right remember. now. Remember, it's like the yeah, Moody, Padfoot, Prong. Uh, <laughs> yeah, up to no good, Marauders map. Oh, we're so close. Freaking Shaq uh-huh. boys. Uh,
2: yeah.
1: Maybe if they continue that series in the way that you said they should, they could call it Harry Potter, the Horcruxes of Power.
0: <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. just want to yeah. talk about Lord of the Rings, dude. Um, okay, so, uh, Nate, you mentioned Inside Out. The this Harry is... of Potters. The Potters of Harry. <laughs> <Go ahead. laughs> this is funny to only you, Nate. Uh, you, mentioned, you mentioned Inside Out. We'll see about this that. This is one of your favorite Pixar movies.
1: Yeah, I I mean, Inside Out is one that... It has such such a clever concept of being able to see inside people's heads. And I think that one of the reasons that movie was so successful is it just immediately rang true for people, right? I mean, everybody kind of knows... Um, not only the craziness that goes inside their head, but the way they've imagined it going inside their kids' mm-hmm. heads when they watch their, their kids growing up or even watch their pets. And you just think about, like, what's going on inside their heads? And everybody's kind of imagined these scenarios of how these kids end up just... just feeling so distinctly or saying crazy things or
0: being so transparent like yeah. you know a young person like they're very transparent how they feel yeah yeah
1: and so you just we've all kind of imagined what that must be like you know and so to have someone dramatize what's going on inside our heads I think I think it rang true for everybody because it was done so well and it it um, ended with kind of a joke about puberty um getting to a particular age when everything just goes haywire mm-hmm. and um so that it felt to me like
0: like same character like the next movie for you would be like it'd be the same girl but now she's like in this next stage of life
1: i think it could be but i don't think it has to be i th- i think what's special is is just that concept and the f- and like they've they've done some like spin-off shorts and stuff which are also hilarious that use that same concept of of watching the emotions in, inside everybody and I just feel like you could have an entirely different scenario. It could be entirely different characters, but using kind of the same rubric. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that it's a, it's a clever enough concept that it it could, it could hold firm Um, more so than like many other. It's true. Wonderful Pixar concepts have. I mean, you look at some of the Pixar sequels and they're, they're fine, you know, in in certain cases. Um, But, But Inside Out is one I feel like it's a very easily replicable concept that will actually get more interesting when you throw different situations at it. Yeah. Because Inside Out was relatively tame, right? And that it's a little girl who moves away from home. She's in a Mm -hmm. new place and that's hard to deal with. Okay. But there are harder situations than that in life. And imagine how that could impact the emotions.
0: In case you haven't seen it, like uh, you have this girl doing life and her family moves her and it's mm-hmm. stressful and all that but yeah. inside her head you have a whole cast of characters and each character yeah. plays an emotion and there's a whole story within that story yeah uh, so yes yeah, it was a great concept um, yeah
1: i could imagine new emotions coming into play right, you know right. d- there could be new characters even inside the head r.i.p bing bong oh gosh don't
0: <laughs> we we're not gonna make our listeners cry don't bring up bing bong who's your friend who uh, likes to play rich rich a word on star trek <laughs>
2: Yeah, so I like uh, many star-related star show. shows um, mm-hmm. and and things, but no. Um, so Star Trek, you know, if anyone's a Star Trek adjacent person, you might roll your eyes and be like, "What are you talking about?" Star Trek has literally non-like been nonstop, you know, Never for has. the fi-
0: the frontier like where no yeah, show has gone yeah. before.
2: And um, but uh, what I what I say to that is the fact that I think that Star Trek has succeeded in a way that no other series. Marvel is. You're circling you, the
0: tagline, or <laughs> no other. Oh series yeah, that was not gone not before. personal,
2: uh, or not purposeful, <laughs> rather. But the um, uh, but I think Star Trek has succeeded subtly in a way that other series have not, and Marvel is approaching this, I think, but in the way that Star Trek fairly unassumingly, like Star Trek properties, do not drop to great fanfare, like the other series that we've Mm -hmm. been discussing Mm -hmm. but um star trek has continued with some duds along the way for sure from i and i'm not a fan of the original 60s series i know people really are but like from the shows of the 1980s forward um star trek has produced content that gets arguably increasingly better from the patrick stewart as Captain Picard era forward mm-hmm. um, into now we have the TV, sh- the Paramount plus show Picard, you know, about him, you know, just, mm-hmm. just him. Right. Uh, after, back. after the days of the enterprise. But the point is um, Star Trek, I have never watched Star Trek and felt the feeling that I feel in so many other series where I'm like, okay, like what could they do from here? Like this story needs to stop. Like I've never felt that way. Because Star Trek is written in such a way mm-hmm. that every, um, like, like if you think of, you know, this is a stupid analogy, but, like, if you think of the existence of, like, you know, a country's military, right? And you're making a show about people in the military, you could f- follow the story of people in the U.S. military from, you know, 1776 or whatever all the way, you know, to when the U.S. military ceases to exist, right? Mm-hmm. And so the, these the stories of people on various mm-hmm. ships and stations throughout the Galactic Federation into the distant future. There's no reason to stop the story because yeah. as the human race and other alien races continue in in that world, and, yeah. the story continues. Because space is infinite, so well, it's literally right. And I think it's the an other infinite aesthetic. Yes, and I think the other, and I think the key of what they've done there is. Exactly what we talked about earlier, the key of what Star Trek did that the other series have not, is Star Trek very rarely, if ever, brought the stakes to a point where the, the universe is on could the line. never be higher. Yeah, like, the yeah. stakes are typically very local or regional to where the ship is at that time. And if you care about the characters, that's enough. Exactly, yeah. Smart. And Star Trek also has sitcom qualities as yeah. well because it's a TV show. Yeah. yeah. So th- there is, I just think that the, I think the writing of Star Trek shows, particularly The Next Generation and Deep Space Nine and now Picard um, are, I haven't seen Voyager, but I've heard great things. Um, they're just written in a way that they really never get old. Like mm. you can watch eight seasons of The Next Generation and there's no feeling of like, oh my gosh, when is this going to conclude? Mm-hmm, you know, like mm-hmm. it could just, whatever. So I think, uh, so that all that being said, I think Star Trek is they just a They don't paint themselves
0: that. in a corner, they never. Not at all, yeah. yeah.
2: And so I believe that Star Trek shows should continue to be made, and I think that if they ever make that mistake of making it quote-unquote epic, mm-hmm. that that's when it will fail.
0: Hmm. Yeah, it's really good insight. Um, Chris Pine
2: movies,
1: they took it too far.
0: They did. In my opinion. love chris pine Pine. um
2: rich
1: chris if you're listening i'm sorry that
0: was a bad choice yeah chris widmer uh we're sorry chris widmer (laughs) if you're listening this is for you (laughs) yeah buddy cheers um he's pining away (laughs) hey so uh rich did you did you have a thought on uh classic films novels this idea that like uh some stories are contained just
2: just briefly i think that um one of the reasons why stories that we have deemed as classics, be they books or movies or or what have you, one of the reasons I think why they retain that status or why we've given them that status is because who, the creator has created a story that is so full and conclusive in itself that it would actually do harm to the story mm-hmm. to continue it. Well, and yeah. so an example of that is, you know, really any piece of, like, like if we're talking about literature, like any piece of classic literature, mm. Dickens, you know, and, uh, particularly I think of the uh, 19th century British literature, you know, like Pride and Prejudice. If they made yeah. a sequel to Pride and Prejudice, that would be so strange, you know. I think when you talk about movies, like when I think of classic movies before the sequel era, you know, which kind of started in, like, the 70s, you know. Like, I think that, like, I really like Hitchcock films, right? And every Hitchcock story is self-contained. Yeah, self-contained. like there's no there's no need for a sequel. Cause to Vertigo, you know,
0: it just because the creator knew the medium they were using, and they it, it's like don't touch it. You know, that's what that's where that phrase comes from. Don't touch it. It's this desire for us to like, hey, preserve that story. Mm-hmm. I know you can make money if you make another one. And I know people will buy a ticket, including myself. But I'll be upset that I'm buying the ticket. And, like, you should just leave
2: this story alone. Now, and I, I think things mm-hmm. like Lord of the Rings and, um you know, you can fill in the blank here with whatever works for you. Lord of the Rings was written. Th- there are three books now, right? But Lord of the Rings was written as a story, which was mm-hmm. then cut into three parts. So Lord of the Rings doesn't, you know, fit that bill because it's one story start to finish, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas I think that this idea yeah. now of, creating and releasing a story that we know like the story isn't over it has infinite you know possible (laughs) connections that's fine as i just said about star trek cool in its own place yeah but i'm never going to look at star trek in the same way that i look at a tale of two cities lame (laughs) is yeah Yeah, exactly yeah Yeah. Uh, interesting stuff
0: um okay let's be quick with this one just shout outs here what currently announced story continuation are you most excited about uh, Black Panther Two is still coming. Um, I have heard folks talk about uh, like let's get uh, let's get Michael B. Jordan somehow like multiverse. I mean, it'd be simple into, now. Yeah, like multiverse him into the uh, T'Challa part. I don't know. Um, Chadwick Boseman, rest in peace. I don't know what to do with that, but that was an incredible first entry. And uh, Wakanda is obviously this legendary place in the minds of so many Marvel fans now. So looking forward to that. I don't even know if it's coming out this year. I feel like COVID messed up this whole schedule of release stuff, and I haven't uh,
2: kept uh, kept in touch with that. But what about you guys? Well, before we leave Marvel, like I said, Multiverse of Madness. I'm I'm we getting a Tom Cruise Tony Stark in that (laughs) movie? That's (laughs) what they say. That's what Rich is saying. Yeah, but um, the uh, yeah, Tony Stark
0: doesn't actually fly in an Iron Man suit, but he holds on to an Iron Man suit from the outside.
2: He
1: flies now. Yeah.
2: (laughs) But um, I mean, Multiverse of Madness—they are saying now, like I've I've read things about it, and there's already been like pre-viewings and things like that. And um, Marvel has said that uh, Multiverse of Madness is going to be the anchor for the future of the of the Marvel Universe. Yeah, and that just excites me so much. And the uh, it's also been like leaked by you know the team or whatever that the movie is like what people understand of the movie from like what they've shown us is like tiny fraction of like yeah. what the story is That's going amazing. to open up to become. I and that, I, yeah. I have a feeling that there are going to be tons of like characters and worlds in yeah. the movie that we don't even expect. Yeah. And I well, think it will be so cool.
0: Well, like Captain America, civil war is technically a Captain America movie, but it's like, mm-hmm. Oh man, this is like an Avengers movie. And oh, I feel yeah, like yeah. this is a Dr. Strange movie, but I feel like it might be a similar, well,
2: the doctor. They've also mm-hmm. even said that like this Dr. Strange movie, whether that was the original plan or not, has effectively become like the quote-unquote like Avengers movie of this phase Yeah, where everything from the end of Endgame is culminating in Multiverse of Madness. Man, they know what they're doing,
0: you know, with so, people. They just they are relentless. So very excited for that. I don't know how they're doing this, man. Nate, nerd out for 30 seconds on uh, Lord of the Rings.
1: Yeah, so Lord of the Rings... Um, you might have heard of uh, a Rings trilogy. Of the Lord. <laughs> yes, a trilogy that came out uh, early 2000s by that name. And, uh, you know, so Amazon bought the rights to certain aspects of the Lord of the Rings um, history. They did not get the rights to the Silmarillion, but they got the rights to everything in. The Second Age that is mentioned in the Lord of the Rings books, uh, which is hilarious, and so they, so they're going to expound on those things, uh, such as they are, and tell us um, a bit of a prequel story to to the Lord of the Rings, and they are uh, calling it as its overarching title, the Lord of the Rings, with the subtitle the Rings of Power, um, because it does recount Sauron's forging of the rings. How many original um, rings were there? 12,
0: 6, 5, 4?
1: Well, there were three for the elven kings under the sky. There <laughs> were seven for the dwarf lords in their halls of stone. And there were nine for mortal men doomed to die. That's 19. And there was one for <laughs> oh, the 20. dark lord on his dark throne. That's so. 20. Uh, there would have been twenty uh, in the land of Mordor where the shadows lie.
0: So <laughs> you know, as a as a real nerd, you know an embarrassing amount of information about this, I mean, and I love you. That's pretty basic. You know Lord all that? Could that's you have, could
2: you have spun that all off? No, but I've, I'm not even close to being a Lord of the Rings nerd.
0: Oh no, I know these people exist, but that that was. It's just cool to see one like live.
1: Well, thank you, thank yeah. you. Well, you'll see a lot of characters live um, that you've never that you've never seen before. Um, some some of them are, you know, are, are characters you saw in Lord of the Rings, and you'll see their younger selves: young Galadriel, young Elrond. A lot of characters uh, that you you won't be familiar with, and that even I am not familiar with. Um, but i I'm, I'm excited to see it. To be honest, I think um, based on a recent Variety article uh, that came out about it. It was actually really encouraging um, to hear about their thought process. They even said that they wanted to make it something that was uh, accessible for all ages, that, that all ages would want to watch it. I mean, I thought that was encouraging, that it wasn't just going to be um, kind of exclusive uh, kind of adult content, but that it actually would be something that um, even, even kids might enjoy. So I think that it's going to be a, a really good fantasy series. It's one of the most expensive TV series ever made and peter jackson's you know, not involved is he not to my knowledge but
0: i hear that he has ha- such a knowledge of that story
1: <laughs> he does i hear that um howard shore has been involved at least to some extent in the music which i'm very pleased with um it's kind of like john williams john being williams involved always, in a, in a yeah. star wars property you mm-hmm. know it's like the the legend returns so overall um I, honestly high, high expectations Uh, Because I I haven't studied the the second age in detail, I'm not um, going in with huge expectations that it has to follow a particular plot. I'm just expecting that it's going to be good storytelling. Mm -hmm. So uh, it is one of my most anticipated shows or films of this year. comes out in September. Amazing. So we should do a watch party.
0: Good, man. I've been dangerously close to finally reading these books. I read The Hobbit a few years ago. And uh, I'm sorry, don't judge me. Look, that's not going to get me
2: in the book, all right? This guy's like... I need a welcoming attitude this here. This is a
1: faith and arts organization. Don't tell anybody. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I uh, also haven't read Lord of the Rings.
1: Oh, my thank goodness. Thank you, Rich. Thank yeah. you. Sean, come back. Okay, come Sean. back from Cambridge, Sean. <laughs> we back. need you. <laughs> come on, man.
0: I've, I'm Narnia. I got the Aslan tattoo, at least, all right? Well, that may not be good in some people's eyes, but... Uh, that's Narnia business. Yeah, it's gnarly of your business. Um, let's, uh, let's wrap this up, boys. Um, I want to ask a final question here. Connect this to, uh, uh, the real story. This, the capital S story here. Uh,
1: greatest story ever told. An
0: infinite aesthetic. (laughs) (laughs) So,
1: uh, a classic. (laughs)
0: why, Why do we refuse to let go of certain stories? Um, I know the short answer is money. Like these stories are making money. Um, intellectual property that has proven successful in the past is easy to sell. And, uh, it's it's about money but i don't think it's only about money
2: Well, a lot of scholars right now are writing about the fact that we are in an unprecedented age of nostalgia yeah in a way that mm-hmm. has not i mean i mean yes unprecedented means it hasn't been done but i mean more specifically in recent memory like 20th century memory there was there has never been a moment where people yearned for the past you know, in the way that they are now. Mm-hmm. And there's been a lot of different theories as to why that is.
0: The internet has changed the world dramatically. Maybe yeah. Maybe there's like a nostalgia for time before that.
2: Well, we can also remember it. Like, I follow an Instagram account, literally of just images from the early 2000s. Yeah. And I would, I am constantly reminded of things that I would completely have forgot. Like, I never would think of, you know, like a picture of a, a toy phone that like I had when I was a kid, (laughs) I never would think of that, you know, whatever. So the internet shows us the past in a way Mm -hmm. that it hasn't been before, but I think it's much more than that. And I personally, I personally lean toward the interpretation or the, the hypothesis that we have kind of rounded a corner culturally where the, so much of what we are surrounded by is so vapid compared to even the superhero stories of our youth Mm -hmm. had more, like, bones than a lot of what we're being shown today, Mm -hmm. in my opinion. So I think that we are, I mean, uh, people often ask, um, I've heard a lot of conversations where people are saying, like, why do even teenagers today, right, in 2022, why do kids like music from the 60s and the 70s, right? And, you know, people from that era, like, was our music really better? You know, I used I used to, like, balk at that idea, right? But, like, when you listen to, there, there is music from the past that is both musically, lyrically, you know, the album art even, you know, like, like things, a lot more effort and planning went into a lot of things from the past. So I think our nostalgia is uh, more complex than it might appear.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think nostalgia is
2: a huge part of it too.
0: Nate, thoughts?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think too, just a a faith connection here. I I think we yearn for stories to have a great ending, but we also don't want them to end. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And I think that, you know, that's what God's built into the fabric of the universe that there's going to be this incredible end to everything. Mm -hmm. Everything's building to this crescendo, this finale when He's going to take up his complete uh, ownership and dominion over all in a very visible way. Mm -hmm. That's going to be super exciting and it's going to be kind of the end of all things, Mm -hmm. but then he's going to make all things new and there's not going to be an end to his reign. Yeah. And so I think, I think that because I believe that's true, I think that that's, that's really written into the heart of man. And so I think that we want, stories with great endings yeah but then we kind of can't bear that they're over yeah so we because we're still here we're still fighting and we still
0: feel like there's a war going on whether we're christians or not yeah
1: yeah yeah it's 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 kind of written on our hearts that we we don't want those beautiful stories to be gone forever um there's got to be something something after that Mm -hmm. there's there's got to be life after death there's got to be a story after the story, what happens next? And that's, that's what kids have always been asking after they get to the end of the book, what happens next? Right. And, and so I think there's, there's that too, which I think is like a good reason that stories continue, right? It's money. It's, it's nostalgia. It could be good or bad, but I think a good reason is that, you know, we just, we don't want things we love to just be gone. Like if you really if you really love Toby Maguire as Spider-Man you're glad that you can rewatch Spider-Man 1 and 2. You're not so glad that you can rewatch 3. <laughs> but it's kind of sad that you'll never see him again. Right. You know, what happens next? Yeah. Is there anything else? And for someone to say, "Actually, yeah, there's more to it and it's actually yeah. pretty awesome." Yeah. You're like, "Really?" I get to watch that. I get to see that. That stirs something
0: spiritual in me. I
1: think so. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Well, I was going to say something really similar to what you were going to say, Nate. And I've spoken with both of you guys about this before, but uh, every once in a while I'll come off, you know, I'm scrolling somewhere on the internet and I uh, will come across like watch this movie theater react to the final scene in Endgame. You know, and not the final scene. I mean, like, yeah. uh, the the Mjolnir scene where uh, Cap picks up the hammer or my favorite moment in the movies when... Portals. You know, on, on your left. <laughs> and the portals open up and everyone yeah. shows up. And you watch these... You know, my movie theater was way subdued and I feel sad because I'm like, I'm, me and my brother were freaking out. I mean, we were pumped. But uh, you watch these theaters, like these packed houses on opening night. And it is like... It's not like a funny thing to me. I yeah. think some people maybe see that and if they watch they're like look at these nerds getting so excited yeah. <laughs> about superheroes these 30 year old whatever. Uh, for me it's a really solemn thing to see because what I what I'm seeing is so clearly this this innate desire like what you're saying Nate it's written on our hearts this desire for good to finally triumph over evil and to have this good big epic ending. Um, and, and even like you talk about resurrection, that moment of like, these guys really died. Like they, yeah. Infinity War, they really died. Like they were dead. And we sat with that for a year or whatever it was until we got to mm-hmm. got to the resurrection. You know, it wasn't three days. It was a year, right? So yeah. um, you get them coming back to life and then you get them, you know, Avengers assemble. And you're watching these people. And I don't know how many Christians are in that theater, but I'm assuming lots of them are not Christians, right? But they are losing their minds. There is this joy in them, this, like, the hair on the back of your neck is standing up. You're, you're like, you have shivers, and you are just, like, watching something that is not just a movie. That is, like, an encounter with, like, this deep soul longing we have for uh, a, a hero to come and, like, win the war and to, to set... The wrong things right mm-hmm. and like it, it breaks my heart in a sense because like i'm watching these people that may not know christ and i just know how badly their soul's longing for that whether they know it or not and, and then i thank god that he's like called me to be his son by grace and that i i know that that moment in the theater is just like a tiny little foretaste of what's really going to happen uh when we walk by mm-hmm. sight and not just by faith amen so uh, let's wrap it up there, boys. We appreciate you listeners for uh, tuning into this episode of Forefront Three Hundred and Sixty. If you enjoy the show, uh, we try to hit a little something for everybody here. Uh, Rich, you even mentioned Pride and Prejudice. Thank you for that.
2: <laughs> Pretty great.
0: Yeah. Uh, hey, leave us a, a rate and a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Maybe even share with a friend that might enjoy.
1: Yeah. If you want this show to continue, if you think this is a story <laughs> that's uh, worth continuing at all,
0: <laughs> yeah, we get some we could bend the rules a little multiverse madness here uh do you want to see us come back i hope so (laughs) sorry please answer uh hey we would seriously appreciate it so uh until next time keep pursuing authentic faith and excellent art